Hello friends, welcome back to the podcast. In today's conversation we have Casey Fisk. Casey is a baseball and softball trainer and owner of Fisk Performance Training in Byron Center, Michigan. If you enjoy this conversation and find value from it, I encourage you to reach out to Casey at FiskPT. I'll include that link in the show notes below. If you like the podcast, then you're going to love LPD+. Members of the community get instant access to all of the latest episodes before they release to the public. You can join LPD Plus today. Memberships include a monthly, a yearly, or a lifetime subscription. All come with a free trial. I'll put the link in the show notes below. and Be sure to use the discount code PODCAST to get 10% off all memberships. One of the questions I always got after inventing the Spinner Arm Care Tool was, how do I use this? So I came up with the foundations of throwing online course. This is just a one-hour mini course uh, outlining not only how you can implement the spinner or how we use the spinner on our training floor, but how you can develop a full arm care throwing program uh, to get the most out of the players on your team, the players in your gym. Uh, This is just your get-started guide uh, with throwing programs and arm care. Go check out that course on my website, chadlongworthonline.com. I'll put the link in the description. You got me now? I got you now. Perfectly. All right. All right. Perfectly. Where is your gym? Is your gym like in your house? I got a, uh, I got a pole barn, the 30 by 50 pole barn. It's Sweet. My house. So, yeah, it's, it's real neat. I used to rent space from a facility. Yeah. And then uh, we moved out of a 1,200 square foot house and moved into a uh, house with a 1,500 square foot pole barn. So. Sweet. Sweet. You've seen my shop. I mean, my hundred-year-old building place is awesome. Um, what's your day job? I um, thought you just I, I trained work, people. No, my day job um, it, it's it's actually pretty sweet. Um, my wife played high school basketball with a girl named Carla Sturk, and her dad owns a uh, called Sturk Cleaning Center. Uh, okay. Carpet, tile, furniture, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And the work the work day is a school day. So it's 7.30, okay. 3.30. That's so I, nice. I drop, yeah, I drop my girls off at school in the morning and then pick them up at, you know, after school, come home and start working with kids. Are, so, you, are you watching the game? I'm not. My, my, my girls are up there watching Big Hero 6 right now. I'm down in the barn. <laughs> I was hoping you were watching the game because I felt like it was a good place to start this conversation with why, why is John Smoltz so bad? <sighs> You know what? Why was A-Rod so bad? Why are they you know, so bad on TV? You know, just put this other earpiece in so I can not hear my furnace behind me. You're good. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to why I was so bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's always a great place to start. I got plenty of those stories. <laughs> right. But for real, let's <laughs> start there because, you know, I got done. When I was coming up, you know, I was being taught by my dad. Yep. And I, I knew he knew what he was talking about, or at least he was able to do it, right? For sure. Uh, so I'm growing up with his cues, with the lessons that he's teaching me, bringing them from, you know, Charlie Lau, Walt Reniac, um, all these guys. And so I'm, I'm not real quick to listen to my high school coach. Right. right? I'm not real quick to, to take correction from my college coach even, right? Yep. Because I'm listening to these pro guys yep. and, then, and then I come out of it and 
the, the first time it smacked me between the eyes and it was way too late was when I, li- I listened to a Bobby Toothberry video. And he's like, what I was doing wasn't what the best were doing. And yep. I was like, I, I, I've been teaching this thing for, I mean, gosh, I got done playing in 95. And yep. it's, it's 2005. 2003, 2005, and I'm teaching what I was taught, or I'm sorry, I'm, I was teaching what I learned. Whether that was what I was taught or not might be a different yep. story. But I was teaching what I learned, and it didn't match up with the video, man. It just didn't. But that's what I knew, and that's what got me whatever level of success that I that I had. And if I thought there was a better way, I'd have done it. But that's what I, so that's what I was doing. That's what I was teaching. So there are guys who've, who've done it and been successful and then shut them. I, I feel like they've shut themselves off to new information because I don't need any more information. I'm a hall of famer. Right. I don't need, exactly. I, don't, I had a successful career. You can't argue with my credentials. So I'm right. But what, what flabbergasts me is the unwillingness. It seems like of these guys who are announcing to even come up to speed on the glossary or on the terminology yep. of exit velocity, launch angle. I mean, what's a launch angle swing? Seriously. A <laughs> right. Angle, like, we're angle. not even talking about the right thing. All right. And, and I'm sure that your listeners, your viewers, they all know, right? But yep. for anyone who's not familiar, ball and bat collide. Yep. If the ball goes up, that's a positive launch angle. Not positive meaning great result, but it's a positive number. Ball goes yep. down, it's a negative number. Yep. It's just a measurement. It's, a, it's yep. on your X axis, down is negative, up is positive. Why yep. that's so hard for people to understand, I'm not real sure. But that's sort of the state that we're in. But as long as they keep holding on to, I know what I'm doing because I had a successful career and I'm not willing to learn anything new or even learning new terminology, that it makes, things, it, makes it difficult to watch the game for me. Did you see... I, I, first of all, I'll share this thought. I like to think that after the games, Glavin and Maddox call Smoltz, and they're like, dude, you're so terrible. Like, why are you so bad? They just make fun of him. Because I think Maddox is like this legendary troll in the clubhouse. <laughs> and so I, I like to think Maddox calls Smoltz after the game. It's like, what are you doing? And what are you doing out there? At least that's you know, in my mind what's happening. Yeah, you know, he might. He might. I don't know. I hope so. I hope I mean, so. It's just it's it's funny, but you know, it's again, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of a stark contrast to watching a guy like Tony Romo in the football booth. Exactly. Right? You know, he's, yep. he's he's up on it. He's letting you know what you know what's going on. And maybe football hasn't changed as much in our as far as the understanding because everything changed in baseball when video came out. When when the when the ability yep. to slow down the video and see what's actually happening versus teaching. Because I used to teach, and I used to learn, you know, looking at still pictures of different points in the swing. Right, trying to sure. Figure how, they, how they work together to, uh, to make the swing happen. Um, and when you're teaching from a still video and you're, you look at that contact point, I, you know, we've all seen the, the videos and the pictures of, you know, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Frank Thomas with a back foot yep. off the ground contact. Well, how do you show how do you show a kid that you know in 
as 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 a position, right? And that was our sure. first mistake because we were teaching positional hitting. Sure, yeah. A lot of people still do. Yeah. Right. But to teach the, to teach the swing as as a fluid movement that you know we're going to get on a path and we're just going to add energy to the path and then we got to crack the whip, we got to stop that one end and and get the, get all the energy that's in the system out through the barrel. Because hitting the ball hard is good. Like that's a good thing. I I, I love hitting balls hard. I yep. love when my when the kids I work with hit balls hard. Yep, <laughs> for sure. Hitting <laughs> rockets is a good loud thing. Loud noise. Loud noises. We like loud noises. I love that. I love that. Did you see the tweet today? Uh, you know, A-Rod's been on this Twitter mission about, you know, attention GMs. Your starting pitchers, the best arm, keep them in the game, forget the analytics, yada, yada, yada. And I'm somebody, like, quote tweeted it and said in A-Rod's career, his OPS against starters was like 890. His OPS versus relievers was like nine, nine something. And then his OPS against starters the third time through the lineup was like 1.03. And it's like, he won't look at this. This is back to the point. He won't look at this, but but what we have is, you know, in his mind, he has this, he has this particular time when maybe the starter stayed in and got him out, like this one time. And it just replays in his mind. And he doesn't, he doesn't understand, and a lot of people don't understand about. The role of data and the role of analytics gives you this big, wide perspective that you wouldn't otherwise have. You know, A-Rod doesn't know that's what he he slur his OPS was against starters the third time through the lineup for his career. He has no idea. And it's like, and he doesn't want to know. It's like, to your point, he doesn't really want to know. He wants to just continue to play this snapshot of this one time maybe Pedro stayed in in the seventh inning and like blew him away. It's like, see the starter stayed in. People take these one-off instances and play them like they're these absolute truths. And it's like, come on, man. Uh, you remember the name Ron Kittle? No, I don't. Nope. Okay. He was rookie of the year in the American league in 1983 with the White Sox. Okay. Big, big mountain of a dude hit balls 500 feet and his career was cut short by a neck injury. He got run over by Rob Deere at first base. Okay. Uh, but he used to tell stories about balls he hit in the minor leagues. And guys look at him and say, Kitty, is that, is that a true story? He's like, no, no, it's not. But it's a good story, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never let the facts get in the way of good stories. Right. So, if, you know, it just stands to reason. The, the more times I get to see a pitcher, the better, the better my timing's going to be off him. I've seen his arm slot. I've seen the, the, you know, his spin sure. rate. And his velo goes down. Third time and, through lineup, his velo is down. I've made that point to several people. It's like, I think people maybe overvalue how many times they've seen him or X or Y, Z, but his velo's down two miles an hour. Now, all of a sudden, he's very hittable. Well, very hittable from a major league perspective. You show, For you sure. Me yeah, you and I are not hitting him. No. 99 to 97, I still got no chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's got like the, the, the Twitter the Twitter hitting guru that like videos himself and who's got a pretty good swing, but you're absolutely proving my point that a good swing doesn't equal good hitter. Because if we put you in the box with a fastball bearing down on you, you ain't hitting it. You ain't hitting it. Right. That's anyway. So you were a guy, you were a guy that I caught on. Let me tell you my case and piss story. This is a great story. 
you were a guy that I caught on Twitter early. Like you were one of the early guys back in the good old days, Jerry Brewer, you, sure. right? You were one yeah. of those guys that I caught early and I've been following a long time. Okay. So this is probably, I don't know. Your dad comes to your building and is using the spinner year ago, year and a half ago. You tweeted about it. And I start getting these responses. Like that's long story short, I had no idea your dad was Carlton Fisk. I just followed you because I liked what you were putting out on Twitter. Like I you were just a guy that I liked what you were saying. And I was like, wait a minute, Casey Fisk is Carlton Fisk's son? No way. Because I've been following you for like eight years, had no idea. You're just a guy I liked on Twitter. It's like I didn't start following you because I knew that. It's just it's like cool. But I still like Casey because Casey's a good coach. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's 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 funny because I I never bring it. I never talk about it unless somebody else brings no. it up first. No. And I because it it wouldn't be normal in conversation. You know, I no. don't know. I don't know who your dad is because you haven't mentioned him, right? Why would <laughs> no. I mention? Hey, well, my dad is. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Hi, my name's Casey. My dad's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, right. That's not natural. Right. It, well, and it's it, how, I mean, how A, awkward, and B, I don't know what you want to say, cocky, you know. Sure. Stolen power. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's really. I didn't, it, I didn't do jack squat. I, I just got born. Yeah, <laughs> you know? sure. Right. So. It's, it's it's not about me, you know. Except I'm trying to help kids, and I'm trying to you know help coaches miss the mistakes that I made. Um, but yeah, you know, actually, the whole, the only reason that I'm on Twitter, I was I was an assistant coach at a high school up here in Michigan, and Twitter is how our team communicated. So right. I think I've heard you tell the story on Twitter before. Yeah, our coach said you got to get a Twitter account. That's how we communicate practice times and any any changes that are going to happen, you know, uniforms and whatnot. So I just took to, you know, after every practice, I'd tweet out something that I saw that day that we need to work on and maybe a, a tip that could help a kid. And then our guys started, for whatever reason, retweeting it or somehow some other people thought other than just the, the baseball team. Um, and, the, you know, then there were some guys that, that I like to follow or I like to message uh, Steve Springer, Alan Jager. Yep. Uh, came across Tewksbury. Um, and then, then fell in with, you know, Ryan Parker and Steve Carter yep. and Ryan Starwell and Kyle Bodie, uh, O'Chart and, you know, gosh, just all these guys that, that, uh, that really helped explain things to me. Um, obviously Brewer, um, Brewer's East, East Bay hitting instruction was like a turning point in my coaching career. When I sure. found that website, it's like that web, it's still in, it's still in Dustin Lynn's Google Drive. Like you can still read all the articles out there. It's in, it's in mine too, sir. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's amazing. Yeah. I can remember I mean, when I found that. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, shoot, Dustin Lynn, he used to, he used, he used to make bats. He, he was yep. a cutthroat bats. I bought some fungos from him and, um, I got birch fungos that I bought from Dustin pretty sweet. Yep. But yeah, 
you know, you, you fall in with those guys and you can, and we, I'm in a, a Twitter DM group with some guys that, you know, we, we throw questions back and forth. You know, you put it out there in, in regular Twitter and you're going to get some guru, let's say. Knuckleheads. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say. Every, every bit of minutia under the sun where it's like, look, I, I'm just trying to help this 14 year old get better. Right. Yep. Um, she's got this going on or he's got this going on. Um, yeah, so we just shoot things back and forth, and then you know, shoot Devin Morgan, Amazing. Devin Morgan, Ryan Starwalt, Kyle Harris. Are, yep. Those are my girl dad. Those are my girl yep. dad dudes, right? So that's kind of what I want you on the podcast for. I talked to Kyle, and, okay. and I find it interesting. People like you, people like Kyle. I had Devin on the podcast. Guys like yourself who are very good. Trainers, very good coaches, very knowledgeable, do a good job developing hitters. And I asked Kyle and I asked Devin, how hard do you push your kids? Like, how do you know? Like, so I'll give you an example. My daughter's nine. My son is seven. My daughter just finished her fall season. And we were talking at the end of it. I was talking to her. I was, we're very fortunate in who we play for, the family that, that coaches my daughter's team. I've trained their oldest son, who's 15. They've got a daughter that's my daughter's age, nine, ten, and they've got a son who's my son's age, six, seven. I was talking to them. I was like, man, I'm really struggling right now. I was like, I, I really don't know, like, what's next for my daughter in the next couple of weeks, in the next month. It's like, how much time do we take off? How much do I push her to get back into it? You know, we've, we've played since March. Uh, how do you do it? Like, how do you – how do you – push your daughters like how do you know when to push them and they're not going to get mad at you because you got to go eat dinner with them right right how do you do it the how old are your way, daughters first off i'm, I'm got, how are your daughters i've got three the uh yep. cassidy's 12 she'll be 13 next month um yep. harley's 10 and katie's nine okay 12 10 9 um cassidy is the one that I'm always posting about. She just, you know, the oldest does everything first, right? And right. the other two, couple of years, you know, two and three years behind her. Um, and they're, they're such different personalities. Yep. With, with, with Cassidy, all you got to do is put a challenge in front of her. Yep. And she's going to go get it. She's, I mean, she taught herself how to play ukulele. She's been taking piano lessons for six, seven yep. years. Um, She's not the best athlete in the world as far as, you know, run fast, jump high, that yep. kind of thing. But the kid will not be at work. Um, my middle daughter loves puppies and babies and wants to be a special ed teacher and is very difficult to get motivated to push herself um, as hard as I'd like her to. But she's also yep. 10. So sure. The daddy chill on that for a little bit. Um, and my nine-year-old is a perfectionist who thinks she should be better than her big sister at nine. Um, yep. But she wants to be good. She doesn't want to get good. Yeah. There's a difference in that. That's a good, that's a great statement. So when she goes out, she, she doesn't like being, she doesn't like being corrected. I don't think anybody likes being corrected because I mean, you did something wrong. Right. But my oldest will, my, my oldest will take it as a challenge. Yeah. My middle, my middle will shut down. Yep. Uh, and like, like shut down and walk away. And my youngest right now, um, if it's from me, 
she might give me a blank stare and, and listen to me. But if it's from one of her sisters, she starts a fight about it. She argues. So I don't right. know if there is, there's not necessarily a right answer to that. Um, I like to say, you know, watch what your kids are doing when no one's telling them what to do and feed that. You know, let, you know, you're in a dance with them. Right? Sure. And with, with my, with daddy and daughter, I'm cool with the dance. Right. Right. Uh, but, but they get to lead. So if it's, if, if they want to lead toward basketball or volleyball or softball, I'm going to, I'm going to dance the dance they're leading. And I'm going to, I'm going to run with it as long as we can. If it's, I mean, obviously if it's during softball season, hey, what we tried to do was hit twice a week on, you know, just us, um, outside of practice, outside of games. Yep. Uh, during the season, and then you know, after you're done hitting, go out and pitch into the net, or I'll come out and catch for you, or whatever. Um, you know, I'm an assistant coach on the basketball team. I'm the only softball coach that they've had, which made it for good or for bad. Um, right. And then they go into volleyball, and I've never played volleyball. So guess what? This is a sport I get to hand you off to somebody else, and you deal yep. with it. Um, my oldest would come back after volleyball practice. So I guess she's the only one playing volleyball right now, or she just got done. But she'd come back from volleyball practice and go up behind our garage and start pounding serves into the back of my garage for 30 minutes before dinner. And just seeing you know, how hard she hit a ball. And my wife's getting all upset. I'm like, you know, I always say it with somebody wrong. I forget who said it. Um, but there's a professional athlete, his, his boys were playing out, playing football in the yard or something, tearing the grass up, and his, the mom got all upset and he said, hey, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, so my wife's getting all upset about the pounding off the back of the garage and said, hey, I can replace the, the siding on the garage. You can't replace a childhood. Let her serve it hard. Yeah, let her go at so, it. Yeah, so you, 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 when they're doing what they want to be doing, I think that's when you push them hard. If they're being lazy, then you got to kick them out of that lazy mode. Um, yeah, we don't we don't do screens. They don't have phones. Um, they have like right. They have like a Kindle Fire. They can do some stuff on. It's mainly to, to kind of download shows or songs or whatever for road. Yep, trips. same. But if if it's a if it's a nice day outside, you're not watching TV. You're not on a screen. You're outside doing something. So they'll figure out something to do. And if it turns into something sport related, then we can try to teach and push that way because I know that I wish I would have been pushed a little bit harder um, or given a little more firm direction when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and my wife says the same thing. My wife uh, was on a state championship basketball team here in Michigan back in the 80s and she wishes that you know she would have been pushed harder to do her sport because she thinks you know, she's six feet tall. She maybe could have done something more. She played at junior college and then gave that up. But, um, but she understands the, I guess, the value of, of being able to push a kid lovingly in a direction that they want to go anyway, but maybe they don't have the, I don't know what you want to say, the, the, the in, internal motivation at the time to get out right. there. Just, right. And I'm with you. I'm with you in that my daughter's nine. She sounds a lot like your nine-year-old, and she wants to be good. I'm not sure she wants to get good when I say things like, um, 
you know, like for in the last two months or not, probably two months, um, you know, she's pitching and my daughter weighs like 68 pounds. And so we need to throw the ball as hard as we can throw it, whatever that is. I mean, we need to learn to throw the ball hard. Yep. Um, and so in the last couple of months, I've bought, I bought like a rogue junior deadlift bar and like the 10 pound bumper plates. And I tell people, I'm like, you think kids should lift? I'm like, kids have always lived. We just used to call it working on the farm. Um, they don't do that anymore. So we have to like artificially kind of create these things in this setting. So yeah, it's fine. Like we're not doing anything dangerous or explode. Like where she's going to hurt us. We're just picking stuff up or carrying stuff or pulling stuff or pushing stuff. Like we're just doing that with general strength. But I've told her, you know, once we start this, you know, once we start, we're building this thing. We're not really going to miss ever. I mean, we're going to do it on these two days or, or there's some combination of one of two days and then this other day. And we can't really miss workouts because the habit of working out is more important than the actual workout. Like, because if you can't establish the habits of not missing and, or, you know, the habit of missing and it becomes a habit, we're never going to get anywhere. And so those are the things that I try to, you know, my daughter's nine, my son is seven. We try to gamify everything, which is where Devin Morgan is so great. Devin Morgan is great at this. A gamifying practice, he's amazing. And so I always pick his brain or see what he's doing or paying attention because I apply it to my kids. I apply it to other people's kids. But, like, training your own children is a different animal. It is because now I have to do other things with them. You know, like like in the gym with with a player, you know, sometimes what needs to be said just gets said. And, you know, I don't have to go home with them. I don't have to tuck them into bed. I don't have to, you know, you know, what needs to be said, whether it be a hard truth or not, you have to do it as, as a coach or as a trainer. You have, you know, I want to be upfront with people, you know, but with my own kids, it's very much, it's very much more of a challenge in what you say, how you say it, when you say it, you know, when you let things go, when you push, because again, you can't let them be lazy. Like I can't let them be lazy. That's not going to play in whatever. I don't care if it's sports or whatever. And I tell that to people all the time. It's like, here's the, here's the truth. It's like baseball is just an avenue for me to deliver, you know, lifelong habits for you that are going to play forever. You know, the people that people that take those things and learn those things and develop those things without there's a podcast that hasn't come out yet in this that I did with one of my former players. We talked about that. You know, we talked about these things. It's like, it's not things we preach, but it was things we did. It was who we were, you know, as a team. And I find it very much more challenging to do with my own children Um, because there are frustrations that come into this, you know, they get mad, throw their stuff. And it's like, Oh, do I let this go? Do I not? Do we keep going? Do we quit right here? Me's been there. I'm sure. Of course, you know, and I'm sure you got great kids, and and I've got great kids. There's some things that they do that that are good and are important, and there are things that they do that are important, but they don't do them as well as I'd like them to. 
it's, it's the same thing with me. There's stuff that I, I don't do as well as I feel like I should. Um, but as long as they know what those things are, is that, I'm a, I'm a big why guy. Okay. And that maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I, I'm not about, I'm not about what as much as I'm about why first. Um, if you know why, if you know why I'm asking you to do this, you know why I'm giving you this instruction at this time, then the what kind of comes on its own in a sense. I'll guide you through the what, but I'm not a mechanics guy. I'm not a technique guy. I'm, yep. a, I'm, a, I'm a field guy. Um, right. I, I learned that from talking to a bunch of different guys, but it's like, if, if, if you can't feel it, you can't fix it. But if you can feel it, you can fix it from one swing to the next. So your slump doesn't have to last two weeks, right? Um, the, the mental side of things. Um, we have a, we have a little saying in our house, tell yourself a better story, which means something happens that you don't like. Your friend, your friend treated you badly, or you think you, you think your friend treated you badly, you hurt your feelings. Well, why might that have happened? Well, what, do you think they don't like you right now? did you do something wrong or maybe tell yourself the other story maybe they didn't get much sleep last night maybe they didn't eat very well this morning maybe somebody did something mean to them and they feel all pent up and, and upset and they're going to take it out on you right um it's, it's sort of the same idea with the whole uh you know quality at bats approach that that steve springer brought to my table and laid in front of me and said there's more than one way to be successful as a hitter. Every time I hear people say baseball is a game of failure, I cringe. You're right. Right. Because, it's, because that, that means the only way to be successful as a hitter is to get a hit. Right. Failing at what? That's what I always ask people. Failing at what? Because the best players on the planet are probably batting a thousand in their intention, what they're, what they want to do, like how, what they're trying to do at the plate, you know, what their plan is. They're executing it every time. They're not deviating off of that. When you consider, even, even if you just look at results, right? The only way that you are unsuccessful as a hitter is if you don't hit the ball hard and don't move a runner. Both of those have to happen. Right. Well, a strikeout, obviously, that's a failure, right? Right. But you, In some scenarios, yes. You nub a ball and a, and a runner advances, that, that, that helps your team. Yep. You smash a ball, it gets caught. You still smash the ball. You beat the pitcher. You win. So understanding that, like, okay, so here's an example with my with my 12 year old. Um, she's been taking pitching lessons uh, once a week since middle of July, and she's going to keep going through, yep. you, you know, the, the summer season. And when she's going out to pitch, I said, hey. You're working on, obviously, you're working on, you know, trying to throw the ball hard, but mainly trying to throw hard strikes with good spin right, right now. But if they can beat you hitting the ball, good for them. Yep. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I think, I think you make them hit the ball and, and see, if, see how many of their girls can bang. They can bang. You tip your, tip your visor and, and say, good job. Yep. Uh, and she, <laughs> She went out first tournament this, uh, with her new team this fall and gave 13 runs in the first inning because the girls are hitting her all over the yard. 
I thought you what that's what you said, Dad. Well, and I'll tell you what, she she came off the field, and I and I'm expecting her to be in tears. I mean, she she holds it together really well on the field. Yep. But when she got in the dugout, I was, I was expecting her to be all upset, so I kind of walked over to her, kind of just making myself available. wasn't trying to butt in or anything like that, but because uh, I'm not I'm not coaching her team. Um, I just kind of walked over by the dugout, and she comes out with a bottle of water and a little neck, you know, cooling band on, and says, "Two strikes." I said, yes, you did. Yes, you, you did. did. <laughs> hey, and you know what? You're 12, and I'm not. I'm not worried about that at all because you didn't walk nine kids. How about that? Right. Right. Didn't walk no. anybody. Didn't hit anybody. Just gave up a bunch of rockets. When did your daughter start pitching? When did she? She started playing when she was six, like you know, coach pitch, and they, you know, as far yeah. as getting getting serious about it um last year or two maybe maybe around okay. 10 but again yeah. didn't you know i kind of know how the how the human body works and how you generate forces yep. and we watched a bunch of youtube videos amanda scarborough and jenny finch and yep. you know those guys and i got her to the point that i i don't know where to go next right. um and so we asked around our area and uh we got the same the same name re- recommended by three or four different people. So I called them up and said, Hey, you have, you have any openings? And so again, she's been going consistently, you know, once a week since July and she's very faithful about getting her work in, yep. in between lessons. So she, she's probably doing something pitching related four or five days a week. Um, yeah, for sure. It's a different bird. Softball pitching is a different animal. I was talking to a, a pitching coach just this week at a big, good power five school. We were talking pitching, you know, and I, and one of the things that I, you know, I try to draw parallels to baseball and like how, how young baseball players become good at pitching at a young age, you know, and, and, and the best throwers on the team typically in baseball become the pitchers because, you know, they throw the ball well. Like they, they, they throw the ball well on defense. When then they go to the mound and they throw the ball the same way. And it, and there's, it, you know, it just works that way. Well, in softball, you throw the ball one way on defense and then you have to go pitch it another way. Yep. And it's like, I told him, I said, you know, one of the things that I try to do with my daughter a lot is just throw athletically. Like I'll hit her ground balls and she's got a windmill back to me. Like you got, I'll go hit her fly balls and she's got to go make plays and windmill them back to me. You know, when we do plyo drills or whatever we're going to do, there's always this athletic component to it because in softball, girls especially are not, they're not, they're not exposed to that at all. You know, from a very young age in softball, they're like, pitch this ball to that catcher or to that target. And it's like, there's an element of this that's just athletic based that that you don't that you just kind of defaultly get in baseball because you played shortstop or you played second or you played third or you played center or you caught or whatever you did. It's like, hey, you throw pretty good. How about you go try to pitch? And then all of a sudden it's like they were a good thrower, now they become a good pitcher. Matt softball players don't get that at all. No, at all, at all, because like you say, overhand the, the window. Right. But, but part two is why is the women's basketball smaller? 
but a softball is so much bigger. The, the ball doesn't I don't, hit that. I don't know. So that that's that's part. Obviously, we're not going to change anything as far as that goes. But that, that's just been a confusion of mine. Is why they have smaller smaller hands but a bigger ball, and now we're trying to throw from. It's probably a more natural arm movement because that's how you walk, right? Sure, you know, yeah. Arm swings, but but now you're learning a, a whole new way to generate force from from down low when everything else you're doing is from up top. It's difficult, but um, that's why I had to hire someone to teach, to teach my daughter how to do it. Right, right, and for sure. And you know, we we have just we have just um, we've taken the same principles that apply to skill acquisition of of most things, and I've just applied it to softball pitching. And my daughter's nine, so we're still really just trying to blossom and figure it out and find a curiosity you know that's really kind of one of my things that i guess chaps me about my daughter more than anything it's like you know you put these things in front of them i've got a hit tracks i've got radar guns i've got and i don't we don't we use the hit tracks to play games on it we use the hit tracks to hit homers on it you know making practice inside fun you know because you live in michigan i live in the mountains of virginia so there's a decent segment of the year where nothing is happening outside. It's not even an option. And right. so, but even with that, at times it, it, it bothers me. It bothers me, my daughter, but it bothers me with those kids. It's like, it doesn't pique their curiosity to how can I be better? You know, I, you're defining what better is to me. And it's like, how do you, how do you pique their curiosity to, find what better is for them you know one of the things in the, i don't know that i have a great answer for that but one of the things that i've done recently is show kids how they already know what i'm going to teach them they already do everything everything that i'm going to teach you to do as a hitter as a thrower you already do it in different areas now if, if you're going to throw a punch you're going to get that that elbow back and get connected right. with the ball. You're going to skip a rock across a, across a pond. You're going to get that elbow back to connect to what's about to turn. So how come when you hit, you leave your hands out in front of you? Well, you shouldn't, right? Right. But you have kids that when their when their stride foot gets down, their hands are out in front. You have kids. You have my daughter even when she's going to throw. She she I keep having a reminder: get that front shoulder on your target get here i'm like well you're, you're losing a whole lot of you know, rotational power that, you, that could be in your throw and you're losing direction um so sometimes they think they need to learn something new and sometimes that's intimidating um like can i learn it can i learn it well enough but if you connected the things right. that they always do then it's like it becomes less daunting it becomes more sure oh yeah that makes sense. and then just have to remind themselves that, you know um, you know, a few hundred times and it becomes natural. Instead. Right. There was a, there in, in Trevor's latest vlog, he, and I've heard this regurgitated a few times. I think Robert Riggins said it. I don't know if you're familiar with Robert's work, but Robert's work is fantastic also. But we, Trevor talked about, and Robert talked about like this 60% kind of success rate for mental engagement and practice and, 
you know, Trevor uses the example where he used to throw to a target, like put a ball in a tee. He would put a ball in the tee in the middle of the plate, and then he would put a ball like down here, and he would throw his breaking ball at this one and throw his, you know, throw his fastball at this one, but he would never hit it. And it was kind of like a surprise when he would hit it, you know, and, and he, he said, I talked to a few people and they said, you know, I need to hit the target more. So my mind is more, you know, expecting it to happen versus surprise it's happening. I feel like that's kind of what you're getting at with, with, you know, connect the task with something they, they maybe even do well. Uh, and then they did that. They don't see themselves having to go from zero to the top of Mount Everest like every time they tackle something new and it's like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get this. All right. Well, and the, the, the Bauer thing that you talk about, didn't he put like a bigger ball in there? Like a Yeah. He put ball? like three medicine balls in there, right? He stood one on like a, like a foam roll. And then he put two other ones over like below that. And he's a, and he's a, you know, Cy Young award winner talking about how professional pitchers miss their spots by eight to 14 inches. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So some some other kid, you know, some high school kid hitting his spot, right? Or yeah. some college kid hitting his spot better than a Cy Young Award winner, or are people swinging at pitches that they shouldn't be swinging at, or taking pitches they shouldn't be taking? Um, you know, the the whole default aggressive mindset, which I, the Jocko Willink, uh, yep, just default aggressive. You know, the the idea that you know you step in the batter's box, you're banging until something about the pitch says no. Uh, you're not deciding. You're not deciding to swing. The only decision sure. that you have is to, shut, is to shut down. You know, you're in the circle around the mound. You're throwing 100%. You're throwing this pitch with 100% commitment, and when it's out of your hands, let whatever happens happen. But we're default aggressive with this pitch, whether it's fastball, curveball, changeup, slider, drop ball. Doesn't matter. We're we're throwing this pitch aggressively. Um, you know, uh, in the field, balls hit in your general direction. You're half of the field. That's it. That ball's yours until it's not. Right? See, a lot of times the ball goes up on, let's say, on the left side, and you got the third baseman looking at the shortstop, shortstop looking at the left fielder, left fielder thinking the infield's going to get it, and it drops right behind, you know, in kind of the, that Bermuda Triangle. Right. Um, you know, so to understand that that ball is yours until it's not. And if, if no one else calls it, you take it. And even if that means that you're bumping somebody out of the way because they didn't call it, they just assumed. Um, I think that breeds a level of, of instinct of, I'm never going to wait for somebody else. Right. Sure. I'm in, I'm in control of this. I'm not subject to anybody else's, opinion until they call me off or until somebody until that pitch tells me no um that the hitters at is it my mercy until i let go of the ball when i start when i throw what i throw where i throw how i throw that's up to me and i can do a johnny cueto and screw him up right I'm, i'm trying to find that pitch that he's not looking for or she's not looking for um or that spot that based on your posture as a hitter, I know you can't hit that pitch, right? So the ability to, to feel like you're in control of your portion of this game is huge. And your confidence in your ability to perform your task is huge. If you're eight for your last 10 with four doubles, you're stepping into the box a certain kind of way. 
too short. You're open, you're open your last date with four punch outs. You're stepping in the box with a little bit of different feel in your soul. Yep. But but should you be? Uh, does does unconfident you ever outproduce confident you? No. Does default aggressive you beat default timid you every single time? Seems to me it would. So that's the, the more control you can give a kid over what's going on and not what's going on, like what's happening in practice, but this interaction between you and the ball, right? Ground ball's coming to you. Do you let the ball come to you or do you go find the hop you want? Right? It's that kind of thing. That, that default, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get this hop that I want. If I'm playing first base, I'm going to figure out where that ball's bouncing. I'm going to get a long hop or a short hop. I will not get a medium hop. If I got to come off and, and tag somebody, if I got to come off and block it like a, like a catcher, that ball's not getting to the fence behind me. I can guarantee you that. Right. right? No. So, you know, and every, every position has its own, has its own stuff like that, but teaching them how to take control and be authoritative and be aggressive, whether on offense, defense, base running, um, it's obviously that takes a level of knowledge of the game too, situational awareness, how many outs yep. we have, all that kind of stuff. Um, but when they feel like they're in control and they're not going to get yelled at for being overly aggressive, let's say you get thrown out at second base, you get yep. thrown out third, stretch out a triple, you know, they're going to get a high five for banging that ball and, and trying for it. So because at 12, I don't care. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I'm with you. It's funny because, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I that's how I was. That's how I try to get my players to be. That's try to how I get my kids to be. You know, I think it takes a level of comfort in your own skin because there are going to be times where you're going to have this mentality. You're going to look like a complete idiot, fail, and all these other things. But here's my daughter. Good night. She's coming up here to tell me good night. Oh, What's got, your name? He's got. I tell him your name. Audrey. Audrey. Audrey, yeah. how? Good. <laughs> How old? You're nine? How old are you? Um, nine. We're getting ready to be 10 in about a week. Getting ready to be 10. Well, I have a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. Really? His daughter. Yeah, he's got three daughters. How would you like to have two sisters? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, my nine-year-old's name is Katie. So Katie. Called C-A-Y-D-E-E. That's interesting. Because we're not, we're not British. We're American. <laughs> we say Katie. We call it Katie. Right. That's excellent. Right. That's excellent. Excellent. Do you tell him? You pitch. Yep. We hit dingers. We try to hit dingers. We always try to hit dingers. Yeah. Right. yeah. Our season maybe didn't end in the last couple to. weeks the way we wanted it to, but we'll take, take a few weeks, take some time off, just get away from it, and. Hopefully get back in and get after it, right? Yep. Lift some weights. Yep. Sure. Hey, you know what? What? Let me tell you, me tell you a fun little thing. Um, when I was teaching my daughters how to hit, one of the things we talked about was the killer bees. You ever heard of the killer bees of hitting? Yes. You have? No. I made it up. Yeah. Really? You haven't heard of that. No, never heard I made it up. So what we did is we, we're going to be an athlete first, right? So not standing straight up. We're going to be an athlete, like you're playing defensive basketball, like you're playing shortstop or second base, that kind of position. 
Yes. We're gonna put the we're gonna hold the bat straight up and down with our elbow back behind us. Get connected back here, right? And the killer bees are when you start your stride, when you pick that foot up, you turn your booty to the pitcher. When you push the stride <laughs> foot down, you turn your belly to the pitcher as fast as you can, and that gets the barrel to the ball. So booty, belly, barrel, ball. There's a killer bees. Fast. Fast. As fast as you can go. <laughs> that makes sense? And do not let the ball slow your bat down. We don't do that. We don't oh. do that. We got, some, we got some bat speed. It's just have to dial in some precision. I will say that about her, though. As much as she struggled towards the end, there was never apprehension in a swing. Good. It was, it was always with speed. Which is, you know what my dad used to say to me? What? That he was often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> even when, Swing even it. When you're, hey, even when it doesn't work out right, be confident. I'd, I'd rather that. take a, I'd rather take a, a big hack and miss than take a little tentative uh, swing and put the ball in play because I'm going to be out every time on that. I, I got a chance to run into one if I swing it hard. Got that? Mm -hmm. Think you can do that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You tell me, Tracy. Thank you. It's Audrey. Yes. Can you give me the other half of this? And give her give the other half. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Boom oh, me and shut the locker. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. Um, now she's she pretends like she's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she is. You know, we were talking about that aggressive mentality too. Um, and I've always told them, I'm like, get your swings off. Get your swings off, especially now, early age. You know, the punch outs, they're not going to have a ton of value right now. So if you punch out, you punch out. So be it. We can work on that. We've got enough tools. We've got enough bats. We've got enough. I've got enough ideas about barrel precision and, and all these things. We These are trainable things. So my son, this is his first year. Okay. So he plays T-ball when he's four. We just put him in T-ball because... Which is going to get him a social event. Like he's he get him on a team, just get him around kids. T ball was the only option, unfortunately. We we didn't play T ball. Jeff Leach and I both agree: take T ball out of this, flip the ball at them, get it moving. They'll learn how to hit it at an early age. Anyway, plays that five years old. I'm going to play him up in the local league. Coach pitch. He's fine. He can hit it. I've always thrown to him. I've never hit it off the tee. He can hit it. So, like a week before tryouts. The league director calls me. It's like, well, the board voted not to let five-year-olds play up this year. Mind you, I live in a place where there's like 3,000 people. So it's not like there's a bunch of kids. It's like you seem like you'd want a bunch of kids to play kid pitch. Anyway, 2020 was COVID, no league. So 2021, it's like, here we go. I'm Because I'm I've been really reluctant to push them into travel ball or competitive things. It's like, let's just go slow. I could be an easy target where I made my kids do this. Let's just go slow. And it's worked out fine so far. We're very fortunate in their coaches. Anyway, we go into the year. He goes like to probably May in coach pitch and doesn't strike out. Swinging hard, but he strikes out one game. And I'm down the left field line, far away as I can get, just watching the game. And I always go to the dugout after the game, some wander down there. I'm like you, if my daughter. Audrey is she she's in she played tenure this year. It's a little more competitive. The stress is a little higher. So I've become a little more available around the dugout, like you said. I'm not coaching, but but I'm around. 
So after the game, I wandered down there with my son and, you know, I always go down there. Hey man, that was awesome. That was awesome. I loved watching that. That was so cool. And before I could get a word out of my mouth, I said, I struck out. <laughs> I said, dude, I've been telling you, I've been telling you this whole time. Like, I don't, I don't care that you struck out. Like you swung the bat fast. And I think, and again, she did like she, so she started as a very, this is her first year of really competitive travel ball. And you know how the birthdays fall in travel ball. Her birthday's in November in 10 years. She's like 50 days from being coach pitch. Playing November, against November 3rd. November 3rd. Yep. Uh, Cassie's November 30th. Okay. Yep. So she's like very young and very overmatched in the beginning because this is her first time in kid pitch. Playing against kids that are maybe 11, she's barely nine. And so softball's really wonky like that. So she started on like, as like the 10th hitter and like in and out, you know, not being real aggressive, just being overmatched, blown away, really. Two, she gets to about August and she's hit like leadoff. In, in the top three in the lineup, like catch lots of barrels with speed, like can't. It's like the confident you. It's like mm-hmm. the, she was the confident herself, and then she had a weekend where she just didn't hit it well. Five, I think she struck out five times in nine at bats. It was just a bad weekend, and just she never, she never regained her confidence. And it's not like. You know, it's not like, and I tell her, I said, you know, it's not like we went in the cage Monday and I just lit you up for striking out. Like I, we went and got I, that ice cream after the game. That's like our thing. Like right. ice cream after the game is like our, our point to where we just move on. And yep. so I told my wife, I said, make sure you get her ice cream. Just go get ice cream. Have it make flurry. Don't bring the game up. She doesn't bring it up because my wife didn't play. And so if you're going to ride with your mom, just make sure that, you get her ice cream and just let her hang out. She fancy like French fries and a frosty. Yep. So we just go through this process. We try to turn the page. Our practice is continuously really good, but the game never really turns back around to into the last weekend. You know, I'm watching. I don't get to go to her games last weekend because I'm with my son, and I'm watching videos, and I'm like, man, she is. But it was a good time to like, this is good. This is we need to just shut this down for a while and. You know, just recharge the batteries and hopefully the confident, aggressive. It wasn't that she was not aggressive either, but the you can see just you, you can see when hitters are lost. Like it's just something you can see if you've been around hitters a lot. So like she's just lost. She's just totally lost. It's like ah, oh. you know. And then again, I told the coach, I'm like, I just you know, me, I want to go back in the cage Monday after the tournament. You know. Even though her season's over, I want to get back in here, but I'm going to give her some time. We're not going to do anything this week. We're going out of town on vacation next week. So hopefully, hopefully when we come back, her battery's recharged. And she's like your youngest daughter, though. She wants to be good, but I'm not sure. You know, sometimes I'm like, hey, we got day lift today. It's like, like, I know that's how you feel. But again, we're trying to, we're trying to put in, do the things we need to do. Yeah, we're real fortunate. Um, I guess I'll let my cat out of the bag. We were real fortunate over uh, the COVID pandemic when everything was shut down. Yep. It had my pole barn here at the house. For sure, yeah. So I had some guys um, call me up and say, hey, can I come, can I come lift at your place? Oh, yeah. 
hey, let's go, let's go. Yep. So Cassidy's down here and says, yeah, what are all these guys doing here? Like, they're getting ready for the next season. Like, this season's canceled. Says, yeah, this season's canceled, but what about next season? Like, wait, 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 wait. These guys are working out like, two years from now? Said, yeah. Like, you have, like, wait, you don't show up to, you don't show up to tryouts hoping you're good enough. You show up to tryouts <laughs> right. knowing enough because you put the work in. Right. Well, you, you think I could work out with them? But absolutely. You're not going to use the same weights, obviously. Sure. But, so, so she, she, she actually started lifting weights. Now I've tricked them into getting strong. I got gymnastics rings and yep. you know, different things around, you know, medicine balls they can throw against the wall and whatnot. But she actually started doing you know, squats and deadlifts and bench presses and different things um, during that COVID year. So she spent about a year and a half training with college, you know, college baseball players, high school baseball players, middle yep. school guys. Um, and we've got a culture here that if someone's busting it, they're they're accepted. I don't, I don't care how you know, we're not competing for who's the strongest. If, if, if you're yep. putting effort in. You know, you're good. If you don't put the effort in, I don't care who you are. You're getting clowned. Yep. She got clowned a few times. And yep. then she she figured out that, okay, I, I can't just try to speed through this thing. I actually got to put the work in. And from last October to this, for some reason, the first time I ever, ever did heights and weights with the girls were, was in October. So every October we do heights and weights. Yep. And the last year, um, was it my youngest, Grew two inches and gained five pounds. That's right. And my oldest grew two inches and gained 16 and a half pounds. Yeah. So she's, you know, she's a solidly built kid, but it's because she's being jaw jacked by a bunch of, you know, by some college baseball pitchers and some, you know, a college catcher and some high school guys who aren't going to let her off the hook. I, I told her, I said, you know, talk smack to her. I'd rather, ha- I'd rather have her hear it from you. And then yep. you know, this, this chant we've heard 7 billion times from a 12-year dugout is going to rattle her in a game? Heck no. Right. So um, she actually set a goal for herself. Because I, I mean, she's, if, if, she, if she just stays as strong as she is right now, I'm, I'm happy. Um, but she set a goal for herself. She wants to, she wants to bench press 135 pounds by her freshman year. But all right, nice. Let's, let's do it. Let's but, do yeah. it. As long as, you know, as long as everything else is is balanced, you know, as long as your, your back stays strong, because I don't I don't I don't need you being all push happy and sure, you know, yeah, pull happy too. Um, you know, and your legs and your de- I'd rather have her deadlift. You know, 185 or 200 before refreshing sure. year. She might do that too. Um, but, but again, it's, it's letting her lead and just saying yes and finding a way to make it happen, keep it safe. Um, the problem that I have is with my middle because she is unquestionably, so at, at 18 months old and they're the doctor's visit. At 18 months, she was taller and heavier than Cassidy was at two years. <laughs> Dude, she's she's a 
beautiful girl that has ankles as big as my calves. She's just a, she's a <laughs> well-built kid. Monster. She's, yeah, she's 10 years old and she's five, two and a half, 105 pounds. Yeah. She runs better than any, than either of her sisters. Can, can jump. Um, she's flat out athlete. And if, if you needed a crap to save your life, she may not have one to give you. <laughs> Exactly. Doesn't, doesn't give a crap about a whole lot. So, which is a great, which is a great trait in some ways uh, in baseball or softball. You know, yeah. I wish at times I could I could put that in some players. Like I, oh, because sure. you know, I wish that you know you've gone through this. I know you have, but I say this all the time: the players that care the most are the hardest to train because. They feel like when they work harder, if they work hard, while they're that they they're going to be successful. Like they're they're just going to be. You know, I, yep. no one cares more than me. No one works harder more than me. And it's like it still doesn't work that way. Uh, I'm no. sorry, it still doesn't work that way, and it just those, crushes them. Those are the ones. Those are also the kids that have conversations with their thoughts. Does that make sense? It's an Alan Jager line. And don't have conversations with your thoughts. Let the thoughts come and let the thoughts go, but don't hold your don't hold that negative thought here and have a conversation with it. Right. To be able to teach a kid to how to reset, and I, w- I would say you know life comes at you, smacks you in the face, and then it's, and it's behind you, and you can't see what's back here unless you turn around and chase it. That makes sense. Yep. So. Working towards something, obviously that's future, right? Feeling like you ought to be successful, feeling like you earned success. Maybe you did. But maybe the thing that's holding you back is when the success isn't immediate, you're turning around to try to chase success or a failure that's already passed you instead of staying here now and focusing on the next success that's about to come your way because the next pitch is happening, right? Yep. If you're taking, if you're taking that air into the batter's box, you're gonna have problems. If you're taking that punch out into the field, you're about to make yourself an error. You know, you're worried about the the bad call by that umpire. You're about to miss this next pitch coming too. So the ability to to reset and understand. I mean, I had a sign for it when I, when I was coaching in the third base coach's box. Something bad happens. Let's look at the guys. This is right here. This is where that is. You yep. can't see it. Eyes forward, focus on what we're doing, and win this pitch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the kid who busts his rear end and works hard, the game's going to beat you anyway. Sometimes. Right? Mike Schmidt said as soon as you think you got this game figured out, it's going to jump up and punch you in the nose. Yep. No, no hitter in the history of baseball has ever ended with a batting average of 1,000. And no pitcher has ever finished the season with, obviously, given enough opportunities, right? But no pitcher has ended the season with a zero ERA. So perfection is not something to be attained. It doesn't be pursued, but it's not something that you can be, that you can expect. Um, so to know that crap's going to happen, 
bad hops are going to happen. Somebody's going to make an error. And be, to be able to go, as the old saying goes, be able to go from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Um, and that's the way you're going to end up succeeding. You lose your enthusiasm because reality doesn't meet your expectations. You're going to be defeated a lot. Sure, but yeah. If you can redefine what success is to include all the, all the ways that you can succeed without you know, the, the stat lines necessarily saying you did. So yeah. if you're in, you know, you're in great backup position, right? Sure. Uh, doing, doing the little things that maybe you only get rewarded for once out of a hundred times. Yeah. But, but that one time you're a stinking hero. Because I told my daughter time. kind of that same story about she plays in the outfield and, and there was something that happened in a game. I think her coach got onto her about it. And, you know, it's, mingling around the dugout after the game she said i know what you're gonna say i'm like no you don't know what i'm gonna say and what the point that i was gonna make to her was getting in the habit of like backing bases up like every time the ball's hit if it's not hit to you go somewhere there's always somewhere to go in the outfield it's not balls hit somewhere and i just stand and watch because the second you don't go you 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 could go a hundred times and nothing happens but the one time you don't you're going to look like an idiot because that's the one time that the ball is going to kick out. It's going to roll around in the corner and you would have, you've been standing there 99 times, but that one time you didn't go, you look like an idiot. So you got to go, you got to make a habit of going somewhere. You know, it's, it's again. Yeah. And if you're playing outfield, what else are you going to do? Every, exactly. Every, that's what I told her. It's like, outfield's quite boring if you don't go somewhere. Oh, and every ground ball, assume the infield is going to miss it. Right. If I'm playing, you're playing left field. Ground ball to shortstop. Charge that thing like there's like there's no shortstop there. If the ball takes a bad hop, gets by, whatever, and you're five feet in the you know off the infield dirt versus you're you know fifty feet off the infield dirt. You know you're, you're stopping runners from advancing. You're stopping runners from scoring. You're, you're winning games for your team just by getting on that bad hop sooner. The one uh, time, yeah, the one time that shortstop missed that you were there because you were always there right yeah and the, and the one job of, of of an outfielder is to get the ball back to the infield as fast as you can yep don't muck around with it and, you know i, I played i played outfield in pro ball and i tell outfielders today i'm like look i'm speaking to you as an outfielder if they wanted you to have the ball they put you in the infield so yeah. when you get the ball Get it, get rid of it to the closest infielder. If they're in the wrong spot, they're in the wrong spot. That's not your fault. But they don't want you to have the ball. So when you get it, get rid of it. Like don't hold it. <laughs> like they don't want you to have it. That's why you're out there, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I hadn't heard it said like that, but I like that a lot. Yeah, they don't want you to have the ball. If they want you to have it. They put you in the infield. So when you get it, get it to one of the guys that they put in the infield that they want the ball to have. Like the football wide receiver who can't catch very well, they put him at D back. They put him in corner, right? If, if you could catch, you'd play wide receiver for sure, right? <laughs> you'd be making all the money, right? Which is a whole other skill acquisition. I went to a football game recently, and I, I was thinking about that very thing. It's like, why can't corners catch the ball? Like, like why why do they not catch the ball? Like, why do they not? Which practice habits in football are 
almost as vanilla as practice habits in in baseball. Like I'm out there, you know, we get there a little bit early for the game, and uh, you know the out the the wide receivers out there catching balls, and I'm like, that's not at all what the game looks like. You know, how about like some contact with like some pool noodles or something, I hit them with something because they're catching it. So somebody crawling all over them or somebody hitting them or arms in the way or something all the time. They're never catching the ball like that. Sure. That's the, uh, I guess the sterilized dumbed down version of, okay, let's, let's go with one. And now I can catch it. Yeah. We'll for sure. I mean, that's how hitting, that's how hitting is explained in a lot of ways. And, and I got my, you know, that's part of the reason. And, and I can talk about this for days, but, you know, part of the reason my, I, for my own children and for other people's children, people that pay me for time and services, we don't hit off the tee. Like, we're going to get the ball moving. If it, if at least it's a front toss, we're not going to hit off the tee because for number one, I don't want you to develop this unreal expectation of this is what it's going to be. You know, I don't want my kids to feel like, you know, if we find this perfect swing, then this is what's going to happen every time. It's like that, it's not. Like, even in perfect swings in a game, you're going to miss hit them because round ball, round bat in space, in time, with a lot of different things happening, you're going to miss hit it. Or you're going to hit, you know, it's just hard. And so I want to always represent that to a small degree. You know, I get yelled at on Twitter almost every day for knocking on the tee. I know Hall of Famers have used it, but we're going to. We're going to always, especially in younger players, if you want to, if you want to get to where Mike Trout is or Tony Gwynn was and hit off the tee, fine. But we're always going to represent the perceptual information piece and the timing piece of hitting, no matter what we're doing in practice. And then you want to get to that place where your brain is this perceptual supercomputer that can predict ball flight of whoever, and you want to hit off the tee, fine, whatever. But, like, that's one of the reasons I don't like it either because I just think it misrepresents the difficulty of hitting. It's like I don't want anybody to have the wrong expectations of this. Yeah, you know, um, I always say that hitting is the pitch you expected at the spot you expected at the speed you expected. If, if you can't bang off the tee, you can't hit. No. Or if you can't bang front toss, you can't hit. If you can't bang front toss, you can't hit. Um, but I, the um, what was I gonna say? I will. No, understand what I'm saying here. I will use the T for movement drills. No, I get it. Like, yeah, like, like a toes even or a wrong foot forward. Yep, just to I get it. Get them, get them loosened up. But it's, you know, we're getting it's like okay, hit hit three balls, toes even, three balls, wrong foot forward. Yep, and then we'll get some balls moving at you. So and. Yeah, could we do those drills with the ball moving? Yeah, we probably can. Yeah. Uh, and I, I got did the same thing. You know, I felt the same way. We used to tee into the plyo wall a lot for the same deals. Uh, we used them for movement drills. We used them for kind of stuff, weird stuff, whatever. And then we get the ball moving. And then just one day, I don't know, we started kind of doing the same stuff with flips. And I'm like, well, if we can represent this, then we really don't need to do that. You know, if we can always represent ball flight and tracking barrel accuracy in some way, and our, I think then, it's smart. That's what we should do. 
Like, that's what we should do. Like, because, and I've made this point on this podcast a thousand times. I make it on Twitter all the time. Your biggest challenge is, you know, as baseball players, like every minute, you're one minute closer to the end of your career, the end of your journey. So if you're doing one thing in this point in time, you're not doing another thing. And so this other thing could be more important. You know, and it, again, and if, if, you can, if you have infinite time, then do it. But you probably don't. No, none of us do. And if you can, if you can, if you can bless every one of your hitters with one attribute, there's only one to bless them with. It's not perfect mechanics. No, perfect timing. For sure, the ability to time balls. If I can put you on time every time, you can you can be successful with a lot of different players. Right, sure. because you're going to need to be. You're going to need to have a lot of different swings in the toolbox. Well, that's what I'm saying. That because people, people talk about a, a perfect swing. Uh, a perfect swing is only perfect for that pitch in that location at that speed. Yep. At that right? point in time. At that point in time. So, you know, at that depth, you know, so, so where's your window of power, right? I was, I was telling my daughters and, and the kids that, um, the ball has to come to your power. The ball can't get past your power, and you can't take your power out to the ball. The ball's got to come come to your power. Well, how, how are you going to know when to get your stride foot down, when to fire, when to when to brace, how to get the barrel, you know, basically to your front foot, right, essentially, um, without seeing ball coming at you. And coming at you with reasonably... Um, what am I trying to say? A velocity, or at least a, 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 a timing aspect that closely mimics what they're going to see in a game. No, hundred percent. So I've got, to, I've got a thirty by fifty pole barn from, from, from where we're pitching to where we're hitting is only about twenty-seven feet. So I, I had to go back to my high school's math. Yep. Figure out, you know, reaction times and okay. How hard I need to throw this thing. Yep. This from 40 feet, this from 43 feet. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and try to figure out how fast to throw it so it's going to be a reasonable facsimile of what you're going to see in a game. Um, but I will warn you that doing that, you know, trying to kind of test. A, okay, so during COVID, our little league shut down. And yep. I, I, I wasn't going to have my girls played travel ball of any sort until little league ran out. We're going to yep. do little cricket and then we'll start looking into travel ball. Maybe it's going to be too late, but I think. No, I, I felt the same way. That's was kind of my plan, but then COVID forced me otherwise. Well, COVID shut us down, but I've got a big backyard. So we're doing stuff back there you know, as a family. And I went out and bought a pitching machine. To be able to simulate some velocity that I can't mimic. Yep. So, got, got Cassidy going against some very fast for her age velocity, you know, up in the 70s. Yep. Uh, re- I think time. I saw you post about this. Yep. And then, and then she got stuck on her back leg. I mean, yep. From the front, what am I seeing? I'm, I'm just, if you can make contact with this pitch, we're going to be happy. Sure, right, yep. And we'll take it back down to reasonable and finish it on changeup. Yeah, we'll go from seventy to twenty-six or something. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, you've got to see it, but you've got to be 
you got to be aware enough to stay on top of what they're doing and not just the result, you know, how the body's moving, yep. what the balance is getting to. You, know, sure. you, can't, you can't turn powerfully off of just your back leg and you can't turn powerfully yep. off just your front leg. You turn, or I turn most powerfully with two feet on the ground, equal weight in both feet. Yep. And oh, I always uh, use this comparison. When people say wonky things, I say, look, if what you just said was true, there's only one group of people on this planet that get paid to rotate as fast as they possibly can. And it's long drivers. And if what you just said was true, long drivers would do what you just said. But what you just said is not true. You know, some wonky theory about this leg or that leg or whatever. It's like long drivers don't do that. And they get paid to rotate as fast as they can. Like that's their only job. They have one job. As As a long driver, you have one job go as fast as you possibly can and none of them do that center field yep yep none of them do that like they all kind of load their trail leg and just transfer this great amount of energy to their lead leg and again they use the ground like that's how you do it like that's that's kind of what it looks like you know the human body generates rotational force the way the human body generates rotational force they exactly they won't think that they're going to reinvent that wheel I mean, I don't know. I blocked more people. <laughs> Man. Blocktober. I've annihilated people this Blocktober. That's kind of when you, you, you can bring people out of the weeds on Twitter and get them to expose themselves. I do it with bunting on occasion. I'll do it with tees on occasion. Like I know all these things have places in the game, but it's just I'm just bringing people out of the way, weeds so I can get rid of you like right now. You know, if you say something stupid, like, I don't know, whatever it is, it's like, it's Blocktober. Block, 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 block. If you, if you go back and forth and you haven't put an ounce of effort into, listen to my, I put out a lot of information. If you haven't put an ounce of effort into looking at any of it and then you make a stupid point, block, get out of here. I'm not, I don't have time for this. Yeah, I don't need to read that stuff. There's some hashtags that if I, if I see somebody hit a hashtag, that person's probably not going to be around my life for very long. Exactly. But Twitter, like you said, and you talked about the early ages of this, and this is how I found you, is it's such a great – it's like one of the greatest mediums that have ever been – it's one of the greatest things that's ever been invented on the earth. Google, YouTube, Twitter. Like, it's amazing. Like, this idea machine that's Twitter. It's like I can get on this thing and see all what all these people are doing. It's like it's amazing. You can go on there and and if you if you were a high school kid and you just followed Craig Hyatt and the Teaching yep. Ninja, yep. okay, get your education there. You know, but For if, sure. if you're, lucky, you're lucky enough back in the day when I mean, shoot, Josh Donaldson re- replied to one of my tweets once. Yeah, it's like what? Oh, yep. okay. I had no, had no idea who even knew who I was. Right. But it's like that, that kind of stuff used to happen. You know, we used to have, and I didn't even realize I was in like early, apparently. Um, cause I found, I found Parker and Brewer and Lind and, yep. and Steve Carter and you guys, you know, fairly early on, um, in my Twitter journey. And then we just started discussing stuff and, and whatever. But there were some, 
there's some cool discussions back in the day that people sure. almost, they almost won't even have now because everything turns into a fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it no, definitely. Twitter after dark. And all those <laughs> guys are gone now. Like if you miss those guys, like if you miss the era of all those guys, cause they're all hired now. Like they all got hired by MLB orgs and they've all moved on and I don't blame them. You can't, you're not going to sit around on Twitter forever. But like Parker, when Parker was on Twitter a lot, if you never got oh. Ryan Parker Twitter, amazing. Oh, it was it was the best, and and I was I was lucky enough to meet him uh, down at the first Slugfest down in Missouri. Yep. It was you know him and Connor Dawson. Yep, I know uh, Dawes. I've done the podcast with Dawes. I love Dawes. Yeah, he's he's an awesome dude. Um, but yeah. It's, you, you get the guys, and we all know who we're talking about. I'm not going to dignify them with names, but you, you nope. get the guys that are just out there to cause trouble and to try to confuse people and try to be the one, right? And that's that's the part that I actually had a dis- I had a DM discussion with one of the guys that I've since blocked. That man, why would you even want to be the only the only hitting instructor that anybody listens to? How many baseball players are there in your state, in your town? You you don't have time to work with all of them. You just don't. You need other people to to be really, really good instructors. You need other people to be really, really good coaches. Because you can't handle the volume of how many kids play Little League? How many kids play high school ball? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, in a in a in a small town, I mean, you said you're in a town of about three thousand my town now, the greater area around us, the Grand Rapids area, is over a million people. But you know, my town's about seven thousand. Um, Byron Center, Michigan. I don't, I, I don't have time to work with all the kids in my town if they all want you know lessons from me. It's just there's too many of them. So the exclusionary aspect of the or the. I'm the only one who knows what I'm talking about. Everyone else is an idiot. I just don't. I don't understand why there's, there's a oh, I guess it's such a, a limited mentality. What's it, like? Uh, you need the whole pie, right? right? You, no, that's you, you can, that's one thing. You to take that's, yeah, that's one thing in my own journey. I've tried to do so much better at uh, in the last probably two to three years, honestly, when I first got on Twitter and when I first started this, you know, I was all about players. I was all about helping players. I wanted to help as many players as I could. And then in the last probably two years, I've, I've, I've tried to help more coaches because I know those coaches are going to impact more players than I ever could. So however I can help you and assist you and give you my, perspectives or the information that I have, the technologies that I have, um, the perspectives that I have through the technologies that I have. You know, I spend all of my time basically thinking about how to make players better. I don't have to fundraise. I don't have to, I don't know, whatever, you know, I don't have to mow the grass, mow the field. I don't have to do admit. I don't have to recruit college coaches. I don't have, I don't have to do any of that. You know, I just went to a school that I hope, Gets gets to go to the uh, the College World Series in the softball College World Series in Oklahoma City. I hope they go. 
Um, I just went there and it's like, I spend all my time doing this and this guy just kind of was interested in my ideas about the, what we, what we do. And so I'm, I spent several days up there. It was awesome. Yeah. But connecting with coaches, you know, why be the one guy? You can't help all the players. So, yeah. but if you can help some players and then you can connect with other coaches and develop relationships with other coaches and share your ideas, and that's how, that's how you impact the game. You know, that I started doing this podcast thing. I didn't know what I was going to do with it during COVID. You know, we just started doing it with people and it's like, huh, this is like kind of a thing. I think people like this. You know, when, when I sent you the message, you said, I don't know if it'll be valuable. It's like, I just like talking to people. I want to talk about your daughters, you know, all these other things. It's, it's cool. It's a cool conversation. And who knows? And I don't think there's enough cool conversations in coaching. Yeah. I don't think there's enough cool conversations in coaching. You know, a lot of times it's just yelling back and forth at each other. Like, who knows more? And it's like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Yes, you know, sometimes it, 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 it gets to be a pissing contest. And it gets to be... Like you say, who knows more? Who's the better coach? Who's more respected? Who's you know, who do yeah. people listen? To? It's like, how about this? The, I've got some arrows in my quiver that might fit your quiver too, and maybe yep. you have some that I want, and maybe you have some that I don't want. But I'll I'll listen to you talk for as long as you want to talk to me. If I maybe come out of there with an extra idea that might help me yep. help a kid. I, especially for for an independent instructor like myself, I mean, I'm not at a I'm not at a school anymore. Yep. Um, I'm not in a facility. Um, I'll hit with anybody who wants to come in. Uh, all I care about is that they get better. You know, I'm, I'm you know my Twitter bio says I want you to win. Yeah, and that's it. I want you to win, whatever that means for you. If you're 120 pounds, no, we're not, gonna be t- we're not trying to hit bombs yet, you know. But we're dang sure trying to hit doubles. Yep. And I need that you hopefully turn into bombs. I, yeah, I, I need you learning how to rotate explosively. I need you learning how to jump high. I need you learning how to run fast, and learning the role of strength in that equation. And like you say, is there's there's no reason that, that kids shouldn't be lifting appropriate weights. Like you said, they used to work on farms. Yep. They don't do that anymore. But they can, if they can sprint their 100 pounds in one direction, plant on one foot and go back the other, the forces that were on that leg they planted are way more than I'll ever put them under. Yep. Right? I mean, just that, that start and stop. But, um, you know, it's just... Getting them used to the idea that it takes some effort, takes some focus, but ultimately what we do matters and what we, what we do helps. Um, and when they see the results uh, for themselves on the field, that's when they start getting excited. And, and that makes the next level of work easier to get them started on. The next, like say an off-season program or preseason. Um, it's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So, I, I don't. I'm not trying to produce a bodybuilder or, you know, a, a world's strongest man or a you know CrossFit athlete. You know, I've got three three sport athletes under my roof that. Yep. Uh, I want them. You know, they say it's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you have fun or whatever. 
No one ever had fun losing. No, no. And no, and no one no, ever had the fun. Pursuit of winning, too. The pursuit of winning, winning, and the habits of winning are critically important. Because if you do those enough, you're going to win. And you know, and going on the field and stinking isn't any fun either. No. So, you know, you want to contribute to your team's contribute to your team's success, whether that success ends up as a victory or not. But if there's a scoreboard or a scorebook, we're trying to win for sure. Yep. Um, and that means that we need to prepare to win. And the, it's that it's that preparation piece that is sort of you know, that's what we do as instructors, right? We try to prepare these that's, guys. Yeah, and you know that's the one thing. I sat down. Our both my kids' seasons ended this past Sunday, um, and again we played till October, but it like it wasn't a lot. You know, we played once a month, sometimes twice a month. It was very nice. It was very good for us because we got our practice time in. You know, our development time in. We're always going to prioritize, especially at a young age, um, developing the skills that play more than playing. I think people play too much now. Um, but the games are important. Playing is important. I think people hear me say that. And it's like, I'm not telling you not to play. You definitely need to play. You can't train all the time. Like you got to go play at some point. But I told, but I told them, and I wanted them to know that I am proud of you both. Not because of, but because of the the improvements that you made this year. You know, it led to some success at times on the field, and there were other times maybe you didn't get what you want. But I, I'm not in any way disappointed that you didn't get a hit in this place or I don't even know what your batting average is. I don't care. Uh, I'm proud of the work you did and and the improvements you made through the year. And I I really mean that, you know, I wanted them to know as as young, you saw my daughter, you know, as young people, it's like, I really mean that. Like I'm not just spewing words that I'm proud of you. A lot of people will tell you they're proud of you and and they might be, but not, not with being there next to you the whole time. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the work you did. I'm proud of the improvements. We'll keep, hopefully, they hear that message and they'll be excited about the next step. Because, again, you're right. You've got to get off the ground and experience levels of success that will inspire you for, like, the next levels of success and the next and the next and the next and the next. Are you an energy drink guy? Not really, no. Coffee? Black coffee? You strike me as a black coffee. Matter of fact, black coffee. I am not. I like my I like my caffeine cold and carbonated, but I'm not an energy energy drink guy. I'm more of a diet coke, uh, diet Pepsi. Okay. Kind of kind of guy. Okay. All right. Here's my last I question. Burned, I'll let you go. I burned my tongue on coffee. <laughs> if you could, if you could, Thanos snap your fingers and disappear anything out of baseball or softball. What would it be? Softball chant. <laughs> One guy said A-Rod. I can't remember. I think it was Jeff Leach. <laughs> no, the, the, the softball chant, only because they're not original. I've been hearing the same exact chant for six yep. years. And, and yep. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how it is in other states, but it doesn't matter where we go in Michigan. You know, we play some travel, travel tournaments down in Battle Creek and different places. They have the same chant from in every little league apparently yep uh so either get rid of them or learn some new ones make up some new ones show a little creativity um in baseball this is going to be a weird one but the uh eye black strip like the like like the tape 
Yeah, the tape. I don't like the tape. I don't know why. I, I like just regular eye black smears. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like. I don't like the you know the war paint all down your cheeks or anything like I that. I hated eye black. I hated it. Like I, I, I think I wore it one time. I was like, I hate this. I do not like eye black. Yeah, and I wore it again more for the look. But if I'm going to wear eye yeah. black, I'm going to wear eye black. I'm not going to put you know duct tape on my face. Yeah, so, like like I didn't like the fact that like I could see it. Like it was so distracting on my face. Like I could see this, and it's like I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm not sad about? I'm not sad that stirrups went away. I said no. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy stirrups went away. Yeah, I don't like when they come back. Like you, you'll see them on the field sometimes. It's like, ugh, and this is yeah. not a good look. I just remember just the feeling of the stirrup digging in the arch of my foot. The act, but we're you're talking about the actual stirrup that went over the sock. Over the sanitary sock, yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm not even talking the stirrup look. I guess is fine, but like the actual stirrup that that came out of your shoe at times. Yeah, popped out of the heel. Oh, so bad. We are so old. <laughs> <laughs> I got my haircut today. I got my haircut and donated it to St. Jude's. I usually rock long hair, and I just let it go. And you had to have 10 inches to donate to St. Jude, so I just let it grow out to 10 inches long. I mean, it was like down to here. Cut it really? off, donated to St. Jude. But in cutting it off, my hair is so gray. It's like I am a gray-headed guy. This is crazy. That's why I keep mine tight. I got the, yeah. I got the gray in here too. I gotta go. I gotta get it tighter than this because this gray is just showing up. All right, man. I appreciate your time. I'm glad we did this. I am too. I am. Yeah. Too. I've been following you for a long time, and uh, I got to tell you, I was intimidated when you when you contacted me. I'm like, damn, what are we gonna talk about? What what's uh, what's going on? So, no. This is, uh, this, is, this is super cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Like I, like, I don't, when I do these podcasts, I don't even write things down. I just, I knew I wanted to talk about some smolts and tell you my Casey Fist story because I didn't know, I didn't know your, your, Carlton Fist was your dad until like a year ago when he was using the spinner. It's like, I, this was just a guy I liked on Twitter. It didn't matter to me that his dad was that whoever, you know? Cool. And you wouldn't know. So that's good. No. No, I mean, I didn't like you more that day. I still like you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, real good, Chad. I'm going to go up and yeah, my girls. Take care. Good luck with your girls. Maybe we'll do it again sometime in the future. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Just let me know. All right. See you, man. All right, thanks. Appreciate Bye. It.